Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Mean O' Lion Media presents Pregnancy Pearls. Meet Dr. Nicole Plenty, a double board certified OBGYN and high risk pregnancy expert. She's brilliant, well researched, and feisty. Growing tired of seeing complications of pregnancy that could have been prevented, she wanted a way to empower women through knowledge because, as she says, all doctors aren't created equal. This quest to educate women birthed this podcast, Pregnancy Pearls, with Dr. Plenty. Welcome to Pregnancy Pearls Podcast with me, Dr. Plenty. Just like that, we're already in the third month of the year, which means that spring is finally coming. And you know, I am ready for spring after getting over that last month with the cold freeze in Houston. So I'm excited and I hope that you are too. Um, I know we're all looking forward to warmer weather. Most of us, for most of us, that is, um, that's great. But uh, some of us uh, suffer through lots of changes with our skin, our hair, um, as the climate shifts. If you've been pregnant before, you already know that pregnancy by itself can cause you to have some, some cosmetic skin changes. Yep, in pregnancy, you might experience areas of dark spots, bright spots, and rashes as your pregnancy progresses. Then there's also the dreaded stretch marks that come after the pregnancy, or as I call them, mommy war wounds. And yes, I have mommy war wounds. Most of us have mommy war wounds after we have kids, but that's okay because we get these precious little babies. To help us break down skin conditions that affect pregnancy, I have a very special guest with me today, and that is Dr. Diane Davis. Dr. Davis is a board-certified cosmetic dermatologist in Dallas, Texas at North Dallas Dermatology Associates. She specializes in non-invasive facial rejuvenation, skin of color, hair loss, and cosmetic dermatologic surgery. Dr. Davis believes in a collaborative approach when it comes to helping her patients look and feel their best. Suffering from acne herself as an adult, Dr. Davis emphasizes immensely with her uh, patients and their overall self-esteem and quality of life when it comes to looking and feeling their best. Considering the medical and aesthetic goals of her patients, um, Dr. Davis creates a comprehensive treatment plan utilizing advanced technology through the viewpoint of an artist, given her background as a classically trained ballet dancer. Dr. Davis, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. And hello to everybody listening. You know, it's funny reading your bio, you're, um, you're like, oh, I suffer from acne as itself. I can tell you're a dermatologist then because you have the perfect skin. You have no blemishes at all. That's very kind of you. <laughs> so you had acne growing up as a child or you had adulthood acne? So my acne was in my 20s. So it was considered more adult acne. It was after um, I had finished um, college and I had moved to New Orleans and I was in graduate school. So I didn't really go through acne as a teenager, but as a young adult, I did. Um, and it really started affecting my self-esteem. Like I didn't want to go to class. I didn't want anyone to see me. 
And so one of my friends um, actually was the one who suggested maybe you should go see a dermatologist. And that's where I started on a skincare regimen. And that was like 14 years ago. And I'm still on that same regimen today. So um, consistency is definitely key when it comes to a skincare regimen. Wow. So tell us a little bit about your life as a dermatologist. Like, is that what made you become a dermatologist? Or is something else what made you become a dermatologist? So that definitely, I think, was the starting point of me looking into dermatology as a career. Because once I started to get my skin under control um, and my acne under control, then I realized how um, how much my self-confidence improved and how I felt, you know, more confident, even just in my studies and just, you know, meeting people and talking to people. So that's when I started to realize that while dermatology is hair, skin and nails, there's also a little bit more that you can help with patients. You can definitely help patients feel good about themselves, um, which sometimes it's not talked about. When I started medical school, I decided to do a mentorship program um, with one of my mentors in D.C., um, and that's where I learned that you can also do surgical procedures in dermatology. You can work with your hands. You can do lasers. You can do different kind of procedures because I really liked working with my hands. Um, and I wasn't sure if I wanted to go into a surgical specialty or not. So once I found that I could see patients of all ages, I could see men and women, I could see young and old, and I could also have great clinic hours, but I could also still do surgical procedures. It was just the perfect fit for me. Um, um, where I felt like I could really make a difference in my patient's life um, and also still get to do some of the things that I love. And I can also see what it is I'm diagnosing, which for me, I felt like it was harder to maybe, you know, take care of someone's blood pressure because I couldn't see it or take care of someone's diabetes. I feel like dermatology for me makes sense because I can really see what it is I'm diagnosing and I can also see how it's responding to treatments. Hmm, that is an interesting perspective. I, I like that, though. I like that. <laughs> For women in general, um, how important is a skincare regimen? So a skincare regimen is extremely important because we have to remember skin is the largest organ that we have on our body. And so we really want to take care of it because it not only um, is a part of our appearance, but the skin is what helps protect us from infections. Because, you know, if you get a cut in the skin, then you have a breakdown of that barrier, which could ultimately result in possibly an infection. The skin also helps um, protect us from weather conditions. I mean, that's what's going to, first of all, insulate us if it's cold temperatures or it's going to start to sweat wet um, if there's warmer temperatures. The skin also protects us from the UV rays of the sun, which over time can start to have effects on our skin and cause our collagen to break down or potentially put us at risk for skin cancers. So having a good skincare regimen is extremely important, first of all, just for overall general health and quality of life. But it's also extremely important if you're trying to address something with your skin, whether it be acne or eczema or psoriasis or some other kind of dermatologic condition. Consistency is going to be key when it comes to a good skincare regimen. Um, if you want to help treat that dermatologic condition and hopefully maybe get rid of it or at least minimize the number of flares that you have. So like for my patients with acne, I always talk to them about having a good cleanser, you know, a good acne treatment in their regimen, as well as a good moisturizer and sunscreen. And kind of in the evening, it's still going to be a good cleanser, a good treatment, 
um, product and a good moisturizer. And again, consistency is key. As I said, like for me, I've been doing the same regimen for 14 years and I don't really change it up because it works. It keeps me from having breakouts and it keeps my skin looking good. So a lot of times I'll have patients come in who will say, oh, I tried this for a month or, oh, I tried this for a few weeks. And I'm like, well, we may not see something in the first few weeks of using something. I usually say at least you want to give something three months um, to see if it's actually going to work with your skincare regimen. And then at that point, we can change it if we feel like it's not working. I know you mentioned something. Um, you mentioned skincare regimen for somebody, for example, who had acne. What about if you have no acne, you, you don't have any skin conditions? What should women be doing um, on a daily basis to make sure their skin is healthy? That's a good question. Um, so definitely a good cleanser is going to be step number one in your skincare regimen. If you tend to have oilier skin, then you may want to use um, like a foaming cleanser. If you have more sensitive skin or if you have dry skin, then maybe looking for a hydrating cleanser would be better. Um, after that, then you definitely, I say, I think a vitamin C, um, serum is a really good component to have in your regimen because it's going to protect yourself from all of the pollutants and junk that's kind of floating around in the air. Um, so a good vitamin C serum, and then you definitely want to have a moisturizer, whether your skin is oily combination, dry or sensitive, you definitely want to have a nice moisturizer in your skincare regimen, because, um, if you don't, um, protect the moisture balance of your skin, Skin, then your oil glands are going to kick into overdrive and that's going to result in more oil production, which can lead to acne if you don't have it. And then everyone should have a sunscreen in their regimen. No matter your ethnicity, you definitely want to be wearing a sunscreen. I usually tell patients you want to put your sunscreen on your face, neck and chest because you want the carpet to match the drapes. Um, because in, especially in skin of color, what happens with um, us is that as we age, our skin starts to become discolored or it starts to become blotchy. And so um, sunscreen is what's definitely going to protect that because what's happening is, is the sun is slowly causing those pigment changes. Um, and you're also getting breakdown of your collagen. So that's why even if you don't have acne, even if you are feeling like, OK, I know black people normally don't get um, skin cancers. We still need to be wearing a sunscreen to protect ourselves from discoloration, which is part of the aging process in skin of color. Is it enough that your moisturizer has uh, some SPFS protection? Your moisturizer has sunscreen or is it like you need to go and buy a separate sunscreen? in addition to your moisturizer? You do need to go and buy a separate sunscreen in addition to the moisturizer because usually the moisturizer SPFs don't have enough SPF in them. So you want an SPF that is 30 or higher. And even if your moisturizer says it, they've done some studies and when they started to break down some of the products that have um, claims to have SPF in them, once you add all of these other additive preservatives that different companies will add into their moisturizer, it decreases the SPF number. So it's very important to have an SPF in addition to your moisturizer. Some of the sunscreens that I really love, um, CeraVe and Aveeno have really good sunscreens that you can purchase at CVS, Walmart, or Target. Um, I also really like Mele, um, M-E-L-E. It's a new skincare line that was developed um, by Unilever, but it was designed for black and brown skin. They have two sunscreens that blend in flawlessly with your skin, no matter your skin type. Because I know for um, some patients with black and brown skin, they may not want to use a sunscreen 
because they feel like it makes them look pasty or ashy or, you know, it kind of leaves a like white residue on their skin. So Melee, which you can get at Target.com, um, has sunscreens that also blend in nicely. And if you like to go to Sephora or Ulta, then I would recommend Elta MD, E-L-T-A-M-D. They also have nice sunscreens that blend in with a lot of different um, skin tones. Okay, awesome. And so people should be doing the skincare regimen once a day, twice a day. How often are, are people doing it? Or should we be doing it? Definitely twice a day. Um, so again, in the morning, it's going to be your cleanser, vitamin C serum, moisturizer, and sunscreen. In the evening, you want to do your cleanser. I usually do the same cleanser. And then I usually say if patients are not pregnant or breastfeeding, they should be on a retinoid or a retinol. So retinoids are great vitamin A derivatives um, that we put on the entire face. And what they do is, is if you have acne, they can help to treat the acne and prevent the acne. But even if you don't have acne, I think a retinoid is good to have in your skincare regimen because it's also going to help to keep your skin a nice, even complexion. So if you happen to just have any blemishes from, you know, old acne or something else, it will even out your skin tone. Retinoids also help with pore size and texture, which I think a lot of us start to be concerned about as we get older. And it also helps to stimulate your collagen building enzymes to rebuild collagen. Because remember, the sun is going to slowly start breaking down your collagen. So again, I think as long as you're not pregnant or breastfeeding, you should be on a retinoid. So that would be step number two in the evening. And then you want to do a nice um, nighttime moisturizer or facial cream to hydrate your skin at bedtime. Yes. Let me reiterate. If you are pregnant, don't do a retinoid. Yes. Just make sure you do not do a retinoid and actually you're absolutely a retinoid for a couple of months before you get pregnant. Um, but if you're not, I mean, this is something I feel like I'm learning a lot today and I've I obviously researched for this show. So thank you for this information, Dr. Davis. This is awesome. Absolutely. Yes. Are you using a retinoid? No, I am not using a retinoid. Okay. We're going to get you on one. We're going to get you on one. <laughs> We're going to get you on one. In my defense, I did have a baby and I was breastfeeding, which is okay. why I was not. But I do need to get on a retinoid because I am no longer doing uh, those and I'm no longer going to have any other babies. So, yes, that's what I, mean. <laughs> I do need to be on a retinoid. What are some of the common skin changes you've seen in pregnancies? Okay. So I think um, a lot of patients will probably say if they've been pregnant before, they may notice that they get this dark line kind of down the center of their abdomen um, as it starts to grow. And that's called Linea nigra. I feel like most people get that. Um, again, no matter your skin type, sometimes, I mean, it can be dark brown. Sometimes it can be light brown or sometimes it can be even pink. Um, so that's what I commonly see. Darkening of moles is another concern or another kind of manifestation that I see in pregnancy. Some of that has to do a little bit with just the estrogen that's happening with pregnancy. Um, but that is definitely one of the reasons why I may say to, um, to patients or to friends or family members, you may want to go see a dermatologist. Um, but darkening of moles is common in pregnancy. Sometimes you can also get a little bit of darkening of the areola. I don't know. Have you seen patients ask you about that? Yeah. Dr. Plenty, yeah. So kind of darkening around the areola or the nipple area, that's common. Um, melasma is another kind of pigmentation that I see often in pregnancy. Sometimes um, we may refer to it as the mask of pregnancy. Um, sometimes I can see it before the patients get pregnant. Sometimes it will come right after the patients have had their baby. Um, but that can be kind of some brown patches that most commonly will appear on the face, usually on the cheekbone area, but I've definitely seen it on the forehead or the chin. Um, and it's kind of a, again, a brown kind of pigment 
patch, if you will. Um, and sometimes it can be a little stubborn to treat, but I see that quite often with pregnancy or, you know, other hormonal changes that happen. Um, varicose veins can sometimes start to develop in pregnancy um, in women. And then sometimes we'll also see what we call little spider angiomas or kind of like little kind of red, like little tiny little vessels that can appear either. They can be on the palms. They can be on the tummy. They can be really anywhere on the body. Usually I see them from the neck down, but I commonly do sometimes see them on the palms. Um, and two other changes that I notice in pregnancy is some women will report um, that their hair started really growing in pregnancy. So that we call that a little bit of hypertrichosis. And what's happening is, is that the growth phase of your hair cycle is lengthening. So our hair grows in different phases. And so that antigen phase is getting longer with pregnancy. Sometimes after you've had the baby, then what we'll see is telogen effluvium, where the hair can start to actually fall out. And it's a normal, it's definitely, um, I mean, it's not necessarily a normal diagnosis, but it will usually get better. But usually we can see that after pregnancy. And then lastly would be the dreaded stretch marks. I feel like I see um, a lot of patients who come in after they've had babies and they um, tell me that they started to develop their stretch marks in pregnancy and they may be looking for treatment options um, to get rid of them. Can stretch marks be prevented? If so, what would you recommend? So that's a tough one. I don't know that stretch marks can be prevented because, again, I mean, we're growing a baby, which is a beautiful process. It's a blessing. And so we want, you know, all of our mothers to embrace their process. And so your tummy is going to get bigger. And so, so again, because of um, especially, you know, the increase in the size in the second and third trimester, it's just happening at such a fast rate that, you know, your skin is just trying to accommodate as best as it can. So you may start to get stretch marks. I will just usually recommend um, that patients definitely just use a nice hydrating moisturizer, you know, during their pregnancy. Doesn't necessarily have to have any active ingredients in it, um, but just something that's going to really hydrate the skin as best so that it can kind of um, just help with the skin stretching again at kind of a rapid rate. Um, so a lot of people will use like Palmer's cocoa butter, which I think is fine. Um, bio oil is another product um, that we usually will see sometimes again at Walmart or Target or your drugstores. Um, and that has been known to help a little bit with stretch marks. Um, but again, it's not going to prevent them, but I think it can slowly sometimes help to improve the appearance of them. But it's more so after you've had the baby and things are healing. Um, but again, I never, t I never, um, there's going to be creams out there that are going to say it prevents stretch marks. I really just think that it's more of a marketing tool, um, more than actually having some science behind it that says it can really prevent them. I don't know. Do you have any creams that you recommend for patients? No, I usually recommend, um, bio oil for patients. Um, and okay. Yes. To keep their skin really moisturized because a lot of people do not moisturize their bellies. They'll put yes. lotion on their legs. They'll put lotion on their arms, but they yes. Yes. hydrate their abdomens. I'm like, make sure you put moisturizer on your belly. And I remember when I was pregnant, I was like awful. Like I just did, was so tired. I didn't really feel like doing anything. I'm like, I'm just feel, I feel like a well, I feel like I can't move. Like I could bear yes. my ankles. So I am not about to put extra moisturizer on my <laughs> back and belly, but that's where your husbands can come into play. Have yes. Can moisturize your belly to make sure that you are applying some type of moisture, whether it's cocoa butter or bio oil or eucerin or whatever you use. Right. Yes. To make sure you stay hydrated. So um, yeah, even Vaseline. Vaseline. 
Right. Right. Yeah. Even Vaseline, just something. Um, but usually, you know, I'll tell, um, you know, patients that come in asking about them while they're pregnant. Again, I recommend a moisturizer. And then I'll say after, you know, we've had the baby and we're kind of getting back to our normal routine um, and schedule, then we can talk about, you know, different treatment options to help improve, you know, stretch marks. Absolutely. Yes. So at this portion of the show, um, Diane, we usually have our medical intern who's going to read cases that have been sent to us almost for a second opinion, if you will. And then we will basically talk through the, uh, talk through each of the cases, give them advice. Um, and then I will give a case pearl to wrap up what our advice has been. Okay. Awesome. I'm ready. Our first case is a 26 year old patient who was 29 weeks pregnant. She presents complaining of dark spots and patches on her face. She noticed about a month ago, she has tried changing her nightly skincare regimen by washing her face and gently exfoliating and applying a nighttime moisturizer, but this hasn't helped. Is there anything that she can take to make these patches go away? This sounds like, you know, classic skin changes, melasma of pregnancy. Um, she is experiencing this because of the amount of estrogen that she has um, compounded by progesterone. And it's just a common skin change that happens in pregnancy. The good thing is usually after the pregnancy resolves, after those hormone levels level out over the six months, I mean, six weeks, they tend to disappear. But it can take a little while longer to disappear. I've seen people even six months out that can still have some some a mask of pregnancy or darkening of their skin. Um, but eventually it should go away. Um, I think that she's doing great keeping up her skincare regimen. Um, as Dr. Diane said before, making sure you're consistent with your skincare regimen is good. I'm glad she is not using a retinoid in her um, in her skincare regimen. But this sounds like um, melasma of pregnancy. Um, Dr. Davis, what do you think? I agree. I definitely think it sounds like melasma of pregnancy. Um, again, with those kind of brown patches that can appear on the skin. Um, and I agree. She is definitely, I like that she's already on a skincare regimen and she's being consistent with it. The one thing I would recommend that she add into her skincare regimen is going to be a sunscreen. Because again, with any kind of pigment, especially with skin of color, sunscreen, sunscreen, sunscreen is going to be extremely important. So definitely look into a sunscreen. If you're a little nervous about maybe um, some of the different chemicals that are in sunscreen, because I do have some patients that report that, then I would recommend a mineral sunscreen. Mineral sunscreens um, are... Um, they just, um, they're physical sunscreens where you apply it to the skin and it essentially blocks the UV rays, um, from affecting the skin, but it's not absorbed into the skin. Um, so L to MD UV element, if you're looking for a specific one, that would be a really good sunscreen that blends in nicely. It's a tinted, um, sunscreen that is a physical sunscreen or a mineral sunscreen, if you will, that, um, you can use definitely during pregnancy safely and you don't have to worry about the sunscreen ingredients. I think any sunscreen is going to be good, just one that you're going to wear, but definitely add that into your regimen. And, and like Dr. Nicole said, you know, usually after pregnancy, a few weeks, um, sometimes a few months, you know, it should slowly start to improve. Yeah. So consider that your war wound for a second and it's temporary. It's very temporary. And um, I know that people are like, oh, I'm going to take my maternity pictures. I have this, you know, these dark spots. Get you a really good makeup artist and then continue to do as Dr. Diane just told you. So the case pearl for the day is make sure you continue to incorporate a sunscreen into your morning regimen. I like it. Our second case is a 38-year-old woman who is 28 weeks pregnant with her second child. 
She was referred by her OBGYN due to blisters which appeared on her abdomen about four weeks ago. Prior to that, she had tiny red bumps on her arms and abdomen. She states that the blisters and rashes are extremely itchy. Besides this, she has a history of hypothyroidism, which is well controlled with Synthroid. Her OBGYN did a lab for varicella, which were negative, and believes the condition is pemphigoid gestationis. She refers her to you for further evaluation and management. This is a question I had earlier and I skipped over it was, when should someone be referred to a dermatologist? And this is a case that probably should be referred to a dermatologist because pemphigoid gestation is can be a little difficult to treat. Um, it is considered an autoimmune disorder. It's super rare in pregnancy. It can cause little tiny clusters of rashes that extremities can progress to the abdomen, and then these can turn into blisters. And so usually they're going to be treated with your steroids, sometimes topically, if we can't get rid of, uh, get rid of these blisters, which are extremely itchy, then we would do some systemic steroids. Um, but to confirm this, this this patient needs a, a punch biopsy um, to make sure that there's nothing else going on because, like I said, pemphigoid gestationis, which I understand why her OB thought this, it's extremely rare. And there are other things that can cause um, patients in pregnancy to have rashes and blisters that are a lot more common than pemphigoid gestationis. Things that make me think, hey, maybe this is pemphigoid gestationis, is the fact that she has an autoimmune disease already and that she has hypothyroidism. I'm glad that she's well controlled, but that's still an autoimmune disease. And the fact that she has extremely itchy um, blisters. I mean, that is pretty hallmark for pemphigoid gestationis. Um, so those would be treated, like I said, with uh, with steroids. But I would think she needs to be confirmed with um, with a biopsy. Dr. Diane? Yes. And so I, I love that you said that um, as a segue to my um, thoughts, because that's where, you know, OBGYN and dermatology kind of can work together um, to help to um, diagnose the patient correctly. Because like Dr. Nicole said, there are other conditions um, that are a little bit more common in pregnancy. But this is one that we definitely want to make sure that we get the right diagnosis diagnosis as soon as we can, because there sometimes can be a very small increased risk of prematurity. So we want to make sure that we diagnose this and address this correctly, like Dr. Nicole said, um, with either topical steroids or oral steroids. Um, in addition to her risk factor of her autoimmune disease, um, which was thyroid disease, um, sometimes we can see this in sub subsequent pregnancies. So sometimes with the first pregnancy, a mom will go on and have a healthy pregnancy, but sometimes small little anti bodies can develop. And then when she has a second pregnancy, which sounds like um, was the case with this patient, then those antibodies just start to want to attack the, a little component of your skin cells. And that's why it presents um, with these very itchy blisters. They also, um, another tip off is that, like Dr. Nicole said, the blisters can be very itchy. And sometimes they'll appear again on the extremities or around the belly button. And so that's kind of another tip off that makes us think of this diagnosis. When you come to the dermatologist, normally what we'll do is we will take a tiny little bit of lidocaine and we'll just inject it into the skin, into one of these small little blisters, and then we'll do a biopsy where we just take a little cookie cutter and we just punch out a little tiny piece of tissue and then we put a couple of stitches in. So it's not a, a big procedure. It's 
definitely safe to do while you're in pregnancy, while you're pregnant, but it allows for us to send that small piece of tissue to the lab and sample it where we can really see what's going on underneath the skin. That way we can get that accurate diagnosis. And then we work with your gynecologist to get you on the correct treatment plan. So also, I want to add that um, patients that have pemphigoid gestation is the reason that it's it's really important. In addition to um, the fact that you are miserable because you're itching so much um, and the fact that you may have an increased risk of prematurity, there is also an increased risk of stillbirth in that patient population. There's an increased risk of gestational diabetes in that patient population, as well as preeclampsia, which is when you have high blood pressure and vascular damage. And we look for that vascular damage as protein in your urine. So we want to make sure we're taking steps to diagnose you very early. We want to make sure we're monitoring you for these other conditions um, that you're at increased risk for so that you won't have any other adverse um, events in your pregnancy. So the case pearl for this case is when in doubt, we're going to refer to dermatology and you need a biopsy. Absolutely. So um, medical intern, are there any emailed questions? Yes, there are three today. So this one says, Dr. Plenty, how safe is proactive in pregnancy? I've been using it for years to treat my acne. Now my husband and I want to conceive. Should I stop taking proactive? Dr. Diane, I'll let you go first on this question. Okay, so proactive um, is a kind of acne treatment system that was developed by two dermatologists, um, and its primary ingredient is benzoyl peroxide. Um, Dr. Nicole, I'm going to actually ask, I believe benzoyl peroxide is category C in pregnancy, or it might be category B. Um, but all, it's B. Okay. So oftentimes in dermatology, sometimes we will defer to the gynecologist to see if they are okay with the patient using it just based on its category. I usually will recommend that if the patient still has acne, then I will sometimes recommend that we put them on a different prescription, which is called azelaic acid. Um, it helps to treat acne. It can also help to treat some of the brown blemishes that are left after acne. And um, it is safe to use in pregnancy. Again, just with a gentle cleanser, moisturizer, and sunscreen. Um, but I definitely would love to get Dr. Nicole's thoughts on benzoyl peroxide and what do you recommend for your patients? I usually tell my patients that if they're taking proactive or anything that just has benzoyl peroxide, it's pretty safe in pregnancy. It's not going to cause okay. um, any harm at all. Um, but I get this question all the time, and I actually get a lot of referrals from OBGYNs wanting detailed anatomy scans because for some reason in their minds, this has increased the risk of people having um, uh, babies with congenital malformations. That is not the case. Now, if you're on a medication that has retinoic acid, we know that that does increase the risk of babies having major structural malformations, such as a cleft lip, cleft palate, um, major heart defects, or even um, miscarriages. So that's why we don't like uh, retinoic acids, in, uh, especially in the first trimester um, for pregnancy. But in terms of proactive, yes, I usually refer to dermatology. Most of our dermatologists will switch um, types of cleansers in pregnancy, but if you've been on proactive, rest assured you have not caused any damage um, in your first trimester. 
That's great. I love that. Um, and I, I know, especially because Dr. Nicole, you know, you deal, um, your specialty is definitely high risk pregnancies, um, and with maternal fetal medicine. So that's good for me to know. Cause I think sometimes as dermatologists, you know, we're just always trying to be as safe as we can. And I think also that's probably why gynecologists are also referring their patients to you for like anatomy scans and things like that. Um, so, um, I will definitely keep this information in my little cheat sheet when I talk to patients. Well, good. Look, we, we both taking notes from each other. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. I'm over here writing in my little study book from residency that I still refer to. <laughs> I have itching bumps in, on my belly, which appear to be within my stretch marks. I'm 33 weeks pregnant. My OBGYN told me that this is common in pregnancy and that I should take oatmeal baths. Is there anything else I can do to help with the itching? This sounds like pups, which is puretic urticarial plaques and papules of pregnancy. Um, it's funny because I never, I always, it's hard to pronounce all of those words at once. And so that's why we call it pups. Um, this is common in pregnancy. And I, I'm glad that your OBGYN did tell you to take oatmeal baths. Um, most of the time we tell people also to hydrate. If people are miserable with itching, you can use like a topical um, steroid cream. And then after that, honestly, I will refer you to dermatology because that's all I got, Dr. Diane. No, that I mean, that's a really good treatment plan. Sometimes we may add in oral antihistamines. So either like a Benadryl, yeah. maybe like a Zyrtec um, or an Allegra or something. Um, but yeah, sometimes we just have to do the creams, do the oatmeal baths, keep your skin extremely moisturized. Usually after patients have had the baby, it will usually just kind of resolve about seven to 10 days after delivery is what I tell patients. But it's very common, especially in the third trimester. Um, and it can be itchy, but we just kind of push through. Yeah, I mean, some things you're going to have to deal with. I tell people all the time, like, pregnancy is not uneventful. You're not going to be the prettiest you are in pregnancy. Makeup is your friend. And yes. between Benadryl, moisturizers, you're going to make it. Benadryl, moisturizers, uh, hydrate your skin. Make sure you're hydrating yourself and drinking plenty of water. And oatmeal bath to help to soothe you. Sometimes that's all we can do, um, unfortunately. But um, it's temporary, like Dr. Diane says. It usually right. goes away. By the time I bring people back for their two-week postpartum check, they're like, oh, I don't have any issues with it. They forgot they even had pups. So just rest assured, you're 33 weeks. You only have four weeks in a full term. So you can deal with it. You can, you can make it. You can make it, and you will be fine. Yes, you can. Just push through. Just push through. Okay. Our last question says, I'm nine weeks postpartum and I have horrible stretch marks. I used cocoa butter and bio oil during my pregnancy. But a few days after I delivered, I noticed dark stretch marks on my stomach and thighs. The cocoa butter and bio oil are now doing nothing. Is it safe for me to use skin lightening cream to make my stretch marks disappear? You know, I... I'm not a fan of skin lining creams. That's just me. I'm not a fan of them. Uh, I will deter, defer to our dermatology expert on this one. Um, I think that the reason your stretch marks are now dark is because your skin is not expanded anymore. It's contracted back down. So that is what we call the battle score, scars. Those are your mommy war wounds. 
that you can see on the bottom part of your belly, on your upper thighs, like those happen. And over time, they usually tend to get lighter, um, but for some people, they stay there. So for me personally, I still have some stretch marks. Some of them actually have gone away. Some of them have gotten lighter. And I think maybe I've just gotten accustomed to them being there because they don't really bother me anymore. But I am not a fan of skin lightening creams. I think that skin lightening creams can be very dangerous. Um, but I will defer to Dr. Diane on this because I know that for everybody, everybody is not, um, you know, a textbook. And so there are cases that need to be individualized and there could be individual treatments. So I'm going to yield that to you, um, Dr. Diane. So I definitely agree with you. I'm not the biggest fan of lightning creams um, because what can happen with lightning creams is you can start to use them and they may work. And with lightning creams, I think we're both talking specifically about hydroquinone which um, is an ingredient that is in lightning creams. You can find it in lightning creams in the hair stores, which I think is so dangerous, but a lot of people use. Um, but the issue is that the lightning creams, after you use them for so long, you can actually start to get darkening of the areas that you were trying to lighten. And that's a side effect of using the lightning cream. And if those areas start to darken, then that can be a stubborn pigment to really treat. So I'm not the biggest fan of lightning creams either. Also, I think this patient said that um, she was nine weeks postpartum, so I'm not sure if she's nursing. But if she is, then that would be another reason why I would say let's stay away from lightning creams with active ingredients. I definitely agree with Dr. Nicole. Some of this is that they are appearing darker because the stomach is not as stretched out as it previously was. And I do think over time, they do improve by themselves. Um, after patients are no longer pregnant or breastfeeding, sometimes some of the treatment options we can recommend from a dermatology standpoint would be microneedling. So microneedling is a procedure where we have a device that creates tiny little holes in the skin or little injury zones. And those injury zones will slowly start to eliminate some of the pigment through those little tiny injury zones that we've created. And sometimes we can use a little bit of like a, um, a vitamin C serum or even um, a little bit of platelet-rich plasma to smear on top of those holes to be absorbed into the skin. It will overall help to improve the texture of the stretch marks and slowly help to improve the appearance. Sometimes, depending on the color of the stretch marks, we can also use lasers to see if we can either eliminate some of the pinkness or redness or some of the brown dark discoloration. But that's usually, you know, definitely months out when you are no longer pregnant or breastfeeding. And I always discuss with my patients, are you, you know, planning on having, you know, additional children, um, which is totally fine because then maybe we'll wait and let you go ahead and just have fun, you know, starting your family. And then once we're done, then we can treat because you may, you know, develop some more stretch marks with a second or third pregnancy or what have you. But again, I also think that they're, you know, a story of your body that just, you know, had a beautiful baby, which is a blessing. So I do think sometimes it's definitely okay to just embrace them and just know that you have brought forth life and it's okay. Yeah, I agree with that. And I do agree with if you're going to have another baby, you will have additional stretch marks. Let me just mm -hmm. keep it real. You yes. will have additional stretch marks because your belly is going to stretch again. Your body is not going to be the same. So wait if you're going to get any like dermatologic treatments. Um, like Dr. Diane said, have your fun and then go to a dermatologist. But if you're really concerned about it and you're like, you know, I'm done having children, wait till after you finish breastfeeding and then see Dr. Di Diane, see Dr. Davis and and she can get you fixed up. So then there you go. Know you ever had a baby. No, no war wounds for you. 
<laughs> exactly. So um, I believe that's all of our questions for today. And our medical intern has given us a thumbs up. Dr. Davis, thank you so much for being our special guest on today's podcast. I feel like I have learned, personally learned so much from you today. Um, so thank you for being here. Could you tell our listeners how they can find you or book you for an appointment? I definitely, definitely want to give my information, but I also definitely just want to say, Dr. Nicole, thank you so much for having me. Um, this is a lot of fun. I feel like we could talk for hours just about skin and pregnancy and, and what people experience. Um, so I have definitely enjoyed my time with you today. Um, again, I am Dr. Diane Davis. I currently practice at North Dallas Dermatology Associates, which is in Dallas, Texas. Um, my office number is 214-420-7070. Um, you can also find me on social media handles at Dr. Diane Davis. That's with two N's and one E. And that is on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Awesome. You TikTok. <laughs> yes, I TikTok. Because let me tell you, my high school students that come in with their skin concerns, I always give them a handout, but you know, they're so into TikTok. So I use it as a way to educate my patients about skincare regimens and different products and things like that. So yes, I TikTok. <laughs> and you know, for our listeners, you know, Dr. Diane does have a move. She did used to be a professional uh, cheerleader as well. So uh, <laughs> she does have the move. So make sure you're following her on TikTok. I love yes. You're, you're going to have to teach me some moves. I was watching your uh, your cheerleading um, side by side. Uh, TikTok. Oh, yes. The duet. <laughs> yes. I'm going to do this. I'm like, I have pom poms in my closet. I'm going to pull them out. We can do it. We can definitely do it. I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll set up a FaceTime call and I'll teach you. That is so funny. I'm going to hold you to that. Definitely. So absolutely. <laughs> Oh my gosh, the medical intern. I love it. The medical intern has it. I love it. That's so it was fun. Tell us about any upcoming projects you're working on. I feel like you're always working on some project. Um, so tell me about any products you have, any upcoming products, uh, projects. Um, so our listeners can, um, definitely. Stay tuned. So one of the upcoming projects I have is um, I'm working on a lecture um, discussing lasers and skin of color, which I think is extremely important because um, oftentimes with skin of color patients, they're told that lasers are not for them or either they have these misconceptions or they've heard of friends who have been scarred by lasers. So I'm going to be presenting that at several different conferences, but I'll also be definitely putting a lot of that information on my social media platform. I'm also partnered with um, the Melee skincare brand, which I mentioned earlier, which is under the parent company of um, Unilever. And so again, we're trying to definitely develop products that are going to be safe and effective for skin of color, but also blend well with skin of color. But we are also going to be starting um, an educational curriculum where we're going to be educating estheticians on skin of color, because that's another field that does not have a lot of training of skin of color when they're in cosmetology school. So I'm going to be working on that with Unilever as well. And then I'll definitely be cranking out just more posts and dance videos and information on all of my social media handles. Well, we will definitely be following. And, um, you know, now that I've held Dr. Diane to the whole TikTok challenge, stay tuned. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Are you on TikTok, Dr. Nicole? You know, I have a TikTok account, but I am not on TikTok. Okay, so that's going to be like your introduction video. Uh, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> okay, okay. We'll see. We will see uh, soon. I have to get the nerve uh, to um, to put out some type of dancing. That, that's okay. Cool. I can put out. We'll make it work. 
Okay. Ooh, I just got nervous <laughs> for a second. <laughs> All right. So everyone, thanks for listening to Pregnancy Pros Podcast. Go ahead. Share the podcast in this episode with your friends and family who are pregnant planning to get pregnant, or who want or need women's health tips. If you or someone you know has had a pregnancy complication or unique pregnancy situation, let me know about it. Email me at pregnancypearls at gmail.com to hear your topic or case discussed on one of our podcast episodes. Also, remember to follow me on Instagram at pregnancy underscore pearls and Facebook at pregnancy pearls. Make sure to also subscribe to the YouTube channel at youtube.com forward slash pregnancy pearls with Dr. Plenty for more quick talks about pregnancy complications. In closing, remember to advocate for yourself. No one knows what's going on with your body except for you. Thanks for listening. Bye. Pregnancy Pearls is hosted by Dr. Nicole Lee Plenty. Produced by Nicole Plenty and Janine Brunson Johnson. Executive producer, Ken Johnson. Find Pregnancy Pearls on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. Please subscribe and rate. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice for diagnosis or treatment of individual medical conditions. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified health provider with specific questions regarding a medical condition. Pregnancy Pearls is a mean old lion media production. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.